0: You're listening to Tales of the the Revolution Revolution with Jason Vrieke. Storytelling with a purpose, to place the focus squarely on our great revolutionary, Jesus of Nazareth. This episode is entitled Battlefield. Would you like to know more? Go to talesoftherevolution.com. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or anywhere you get podcasts. Did you know that we are in a battle? It's true. Noted Bible teacher Dr. Chuck Missler would often ask the question, what do you call somebody who doesn't know they are in a battle? A casualty. Don't be a casualty in this revolution. Our first storyteller, Ryan J. Krause, is a pastor and evangelist and active in the United States Marine Corps. In fact, he is now serving, at this moment of recording, overseas as a chaplain. Listen as he tells us a couple of tales of the revolution from an actual battlefield, Ramadi, Iraq, just one of the places where he has served our country through his military service.
1: The first story that I want to share is centered around the miraculous circumstances involving, at the time, Captain... Dan Gade, on the 10th of January 2005, he was uh, patrolling with his uh, his army unit uh, in Ramadi when huge IED went off underneath his vehicle, flipped it over. It was under directly under his passenger side compartment, um, shredded the uh, you know the Humvee, and in the course of that, uh, the injury that he sustained was so bad that just a portion of his leg was kind of hanging on. It was, kind of, for the most part, separated right or, right below the hip. So his medics took hold of, of the situation and stabilized him and, and secured the area. And, and uh, they called in to uh, the patient evacuation team, which is where I was working. And during that time, we sent a, a medevac chopper with a combat escort to, to pick him up. And uh, he was brought over to Altacottam, which is where we had a a Navy uh, and Marine Corps shock trauma platoon set up. There happened to be, this is all kind of the backstory, uh, there happened to be a a Navy general surgeon who was working in the shock trauma platoon by the name of Lowell Chambers, who has since left the, the Navy and is in private practice. The Lowell Chambers. Phenomenal man of God and a man of prayer, and deeply committed to uh, to praying for all of his patients that were coming through, no matter how badly they were they were wounded or how how far gone. He he always believed that God could and and, and would perform miraculous in circumstances in terms of lifting that person kind of out of their circumstances their dire circumstances and that's and that's what actually happened with Dan as he came in his leg was for the most part uh, just kind of hanging on and it was so badly damaged and and and, uh, and shredded from the shrapnel and all the different things and not only his leg but he sustained a lot of wounds shrapnel wounds and you know blast type of injuries all over his body and you know so to this day has a, a good amount of scarring on his face and in different areas of his of his body, but uh, Dr. Chambers went to work on him. In that moment when Dan came in and he saw how badly he was wounded, Dr. Chambers prayed a simple prayer. He said, Lord, this is a, a catastrophic injury, and apart from you working through my hands, there is no way that, that this this person, Dan, is going to actually make it. And interestingly enough, as uh, Doctor Chambers was relaying this story to me, to, to you know sharing the details of that, on the other end of it, when I received the uh, the actual uh, the call uh, from uh, the dispatchers to to pick him up, the the prayer that I uttered on that end of it was, Lord, uh, as we send this uh, soldier to a doctor. My prayer, Lord, is that You would work through the hands of the surgeon. And so, it was very interesting as I talked with Doctor Chambers afterwards, as I was interviewing him for uh, Reflections from the Battlefield, that he actually used those exact words that he felt as though God was using His hands <laughs> to work on him. So, that was a pretty—that was a pretty amazing word-for-word answer to a prayer that I had, and a prayer that Dr. Chambers had. And so he would work on him. They put, I don't remember the exact amount, but it was something like 20 units of blood uh, through him uh, to because he was he was bleeding out so profusely. And uh, the, the call went out in the camp, you know, for Marines and sailors to come and, and to donate blood because uh, it was a Marine Corps camp. And so there was people lined up to donate blood to, to try to save this... Uh, Army captain's life, and uh, it was joked about later on because of the whole rivalry of uh, you know army go go navy beat army or go army beat navy, which they they did finally. Uh, uh, not that I'm not that I'm uh, partial to navy, but the army did finally win this year. <laughs> but it was a joke later on after the fact that Captain Gade, the army combat veteran, had Marine Corps and Navy blood. Uh, flowing through his veins that uh, was instrumental in saving his life. So it was kind of a a funny joke, but uh, we also would find out later on that the nurse that was on the chopper, the medevac chopper, was also uh, a believer who was praying for Dan when he got on the bird. The pilot that was flying the combat escort mission in the in the uh in the Marine Corps Cobra helicopter was also a first lieutenant who was a believer and uh we found out was praying during that time and so through the course of this whole scenario, there were believers and there was a prayer chain from back home that was activated and uh he was completely he was completely covered in prayer during the whole time and where he should have died because of the nature of his injuries, Um, there's no explanation, no natural explanation as to why he is alive, other than the fact that God wanted him alive and used very specific, very strategically placed believers in every one of those positions that were crucial for him to survive during that time. We later... Released uh, the book "Reflections from the Battlefield" on September the eleventh, two 2005, and uh, as a as a part of that, the whole thing, we brought all of the members of that cast and crew, so to speak, the pilot, the nurses, the corpsman, the general surgeon, Doctor Chambers, to come and to tell the story of their part in that chain of events, and then Dan had dozens and dozens of surgeries. Was at a place where he was able to come out for the release of that book, and he got up and he was able to share his testimony of how God preserved him through that and and how uh, you know he brought him back to his his young family and um, just all of the the miracles that were a part of that, it was just absolutely, absolutely miraculous every every aspect of it, later on throughout the course of the the years to follow that. Dan would continue in his recovery and he uh, went on to, uh, to get his, uh, his doctorate and go back to West Point where he became an instructor. He petitioned the Army to stay on active duty uh, even though he uh, had lost his leg from the, from the hip down. and uh, So they granted that and here just a couple of, about a week or so ago, uh, he retired as a lieutenant colonel from active duty in the Army but still goes out and still speaks at, at a lot of different events and shares his story. He's been featured in a lot of different uh, print and book and, and radio types of things. And also was on uh, the President George W. Bush's, um, the uh, Wounded Warrior triathlon team and, and, and marathon team where he would uh, go out there with a lot of his fellow wounded, uh, wounded warriors and, and they would go out and you know run or, or, or bike or, or do the different things involved in those things and, and actually became very successful in that. And uh, it's just an amazing story of how there's no reason on earth, no, no logical, rational, medical or scientific reason why Dan Gage should be alive and yet every circumstances was aligned perfectly in a, in a catastrophic situation to bring him through and uh, give him uh, another uh, opportunity and chance to go and, and to share the gospel message uh, through his injuries. And so, very, very powerful. I'm still good friends with him to this day. He uh, is, uh, is a very, uh, He motivates me and inspires me every time I think that I got stuff going on in my life that is, uh, that's rough. I I just think about Dan. I think about his example and, uh, how he has overcome those odds, uh, with God's help to, uh, continue to be a light for him. So that's a, that's a, a, a very powerful example of, of God's work on the battlefield and how he was very present, uh, in Those circumstances that are, uh, you know, anything but ideal, anything but safe, (laughs) and uh, God operates, uh, I have seen, more visibly, if you will, uh, in situations that are potentially catastrophic. And and, uh, I always used to say after Dan's situation that if we were to forensically pull back and and, uh, kind of from a spiritual perspective dust that whole scene, we would have seen the, the fingerprints of God all over what, uh, what took place on that day and every day since then. Interestingly, during that time, there was also another thing that took place that was nothing short of miraculous. As I was stationed at Camp Blue Diamond there in Ramadi, we had a group of Tongan Marines, the Royal Tongan Marines, uh, that were... Just a small detachment of about forty of them that were providing security for our base, uh, they stood all of the of the posts at the front of the gates and around the walls at Camp blue Diamond and um, the very uh, interesting thing about the the Tongans was that uh, every Sunday they were in church there, the little chapel that we had on the base, and they culturally uh, they're all like very complex. Choir singers, they they sing gospel and 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 hymns uh, as a as a culture, and every Sunday we would look forward to the Tongans singing worship, you know, pr- uh, songs of praise and worship with forty voices, uh, just absolutely amazing, and they're really uh, the the Congans, the majority of them, very sturdy, very um, strong people, and so we were always very. Encouraged and, and felt safe that they were watching over the security of the base. And uh, well, there was a, a day uh, that uh, I was in the dispatch center and I got a call that came in that said that, um, that in, had informed me that one of the Tongan Marines um, had somehow lost his footing in a, on one of those high posts it was about 15 feet up where they were. On the on the gates uh, with the machine guns, kind of watching over the security of the of the base, and he had lost his footing somehow, going up or coming back down from his post, and in the course of that, it got turned upside down and fell the full fifteen feet and actually landed directly on his head in his uh, with his helmet on and and you know all of his war gear, so he was a, a good. 50 to 60 pounds heavier than he would have been, so fell without any breaking of his fault directly on his head, should have broke his neck, should have uh, p- potentially killed him. So they grabbed him up, scooped him up, and brought him over to the medical place where the doctors were, you know, the doctor and the and the independent duty foreman were just all fawning over him trying to figure out if his neck was broke if he was if he had brain damage <laughs> you know what exactly was going to be the the injuries for this poor Tongan marine and so they kept evaluating him and looking and and, and uh, you know what 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 is going on and checking his you know checking his neurological responses and checking everything and he was getting irritated and they couldn't understand what, you know why he was so irritated and he kept, you know, trying to get up and they're like, no, no, you got to stay, you got to stay down. We got to, we got to make sure that you're okay, that everything is, that you don't, you do have a broken neck. And uh, so I just started praying for him. And uh, some of the other guys were praying for him. And uh, he got increasingly more agitated. And we had to um, bring one of his guys over to kind of try to figure out what is going on with this guy. Well, it turns out that the reason he was agitated was because he was embarrassed and he was upset that we were detaining him because he wanted to go back and get on the gate and perform his (laughs) duties. And so this guy, which should have been possibly a life-ending injury, falling 15 feet on his head uh, from the the gate tower, had nothing going on but a, a, a bruise or a little scrape on his shoulder. He, he there was no injuries, there was nothing at all, and uh, he just had such a sense of duty that uh, he just felt like you guys are holding me back from going and doing what I'm supposed to do. So I just thought uh, that is uh, that is a, a a real story of dedication, and and these uh, the the Tongan Marines were uh, so completely devoted to serving God, and their and culturally it was so ingrained in them. Um, to serve God not only just like as a as a form of religion but uh, they were devoted Christians committed to prayer committed to singing and and searching the scriptures and a very amazing and inspiring group of people but even in that situation just seeing how the hand of God was on this uh, young man and prevented him from what could have potentially been life-ending so there's a lot of different stories like that, uh, I also have a, another friend who's a Navy chaplain as well, um, who w- served as a as a chaplain, a lieutenant during the ground war uh, a year and a half before during the ground invasion, and uh, he wrote a book actually called A Table in the Presence, and his name is uh, Commander Kerry Cash, and uh, he also tells uh, a number of stories in his book of, of the miraculous working of God uh, in the battlefield and. After reading his book, a lot of a lot of the stories in there so inspired me that uh, it kind of gave me a, uh, the the uh, kick in the in the pants, so to speak, to complete my manuscript and write reflections. But um, I encourage anybody who has not read his book, A Table in the Presence, to do that because of the uh, just the, the dramatic things that that he talks about as well um, in there. But but really, the bottom line is this we often as believers we run from adversity and from trials and tribulation and, and 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 from the hard things of life and 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 on the battlefield that's a way of life that i mean you are you are in a constant state of hyper and you're in a constant state of uh, of awareness that at any time something could happen that could injure you or wound you or uh, potentially uh, you know take your life and so you you live life on a daily basis with a very real possibility that that your next moment could be your last moment and and it gives you a perspective and it gives you a, a trust and a confidence in God for not just the big things in life or you know where do I go to college or you know where do I, um, you know, do I send my kids to private school or, or who should I marry or, you know, where should I, you know, those types of things. But you depend on God on a moment-by-moment moment basis that basically says, God, get me through this next moment. Get me through this next patrol that I'm going on. Get me through this convoy uh, without uh, hitting an ID or, you know, Lord, protect me as I Am on this patrol from small arms fire or from a sniper or whatever the case may be, and when you're even even when you're on the base, uh, whether you're in Afghanistan or Iraq or wherever you happen to be, there's rockets and and mortars that are fired in there, and 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 uh, and, and the the constant threat of uh, you know vehicle bombers and things of that nature, and so you're always in a place where you depend fully on God and. And in the midst of that full dependence God, on God, you see miraculous things take place all around you almost on a daily basis. There was another moment, just another short story, when I was uh, wrapping up my, my second tour and I was in uh, Alticottom doing the final interviews for Reflections. It was a uh, story of a chaplain there um, in the, uh, there was a wooden structure that was built there that served as the chapel a few weeks before i got there there was a rocket that came through the ceiling of the chapel and and landed right within like 5 feet of where the chapel was sitting went through the floor and was there spinning and didn't go off and he of course the blood drained out of his face and uh, he he realized that god had just uh, saved his life because uh, that it should have gone off and it should have uh, you know had a Uh, you know, a a casualty radius of much beyond where he was, and uh, so that's another example of of God's hand on his people. But, uh, you know, those those are stories, and there's really dozens of others that I know of that are similar to that, that really show that God is in the business of doing miraculous things in the worst possible circumstances, and I would even venture to say that he, he is more visible. He is. We are. We can be more aware of his presence when we are in circumstances like that, than when we perhaps are just in our daily routine of of life as usual. Uh, here in the United States, uh, going to work or going to, you know, school or whatever the case may be, God is very present and 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 active in those circumstances. So those are just a few uh, stories, uh, a few things that uh, that I witnessed and, and was a part of and just really counted as an honor and a privilege to serve the men and women of the Navy and the Marine Corps and, and uh, the Army and to watch God move in their lives in, in uh, less than ideal circumstances. So with great honor to announce to be a chaplain and uh, to be a part of that.
0: A big thanks to Ryan J. Krause for sharing his revolutionary stories with us. And Ryan, thank you for your service to our country and our God. Pray for him now as he's overseas serving the United States of America and the real Jesus of Nazareth. And check out his book, Reflections from the Battlefield, available on Amazon right now. There's no way around it. We are in a battle but our great war is a spiritual war. Saint Paul the Apostle wrote to the church in Corinth that the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but have the divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive To obey Christ does that sound strange to you it did to me at first I often thought of spiritual warfare in the context of demons and angels clashing swords and fighting in some epic battle somewhere between earth and heaven and that may be true on some level but listen to what Paul says He says we must destroy arguments and opinions which are against the knowledge of God. We often talk about how we're sinners. Well, this goes down to the core. Our very minds are wicked and devise arguments against God and against what He has revealed in His Word. In other words, the battle is taking place in my mind and in your mind. Why, God, am I suffering like this, when I have devoted my life to you? Why do I see innocent suffer at the hands of the wicked? Why is it that these wicked people seem to prosper and do so well in this life? Why did she leave me, Lord, when I had done nothing but try to love her as Christ loved the church? And the questions go on and on. This battlefield is in our minds. The enemy and his cohorts would love to flood our minds with all kinds of arguments and opinions that rage against God. What's someone like me to do? Like Paul said, destroy arguments and opinions. How do we do this? Don't miss this. It's so important. If you want to destroy these arguments, if you want to cast down these opinions, we really must know God. Not just know about Him, not just hear about Him, but you've actually got to know Him. Do you know God? Have you examined His character and His Word, the Bible? Do you spend time every day talking things over with Him? Do you serve His people? Do you share the truth of the gospel with others? If you do these things, there's a good chance you know God. But the question is often raised, why are you a Christian? Have you examined the stunning evidence that is so often overlooked concerning the reliability and accuracy of the Bible? It's out there. Check these out for yourself. The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. The Real Face of Atheism by Dr. Ravi Zacharias. Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell. I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist by Drs. Norman Geisler and Frank Turek. And I can't forget our former guest, Jay Warner Wallace, who was on Episode 9, Let Us Reason Together. His titles include Cold Case Christianity and God's Crime Scene. This is the cold case homicide detective who used his specialized set of skills to examine the New Testament and the claims of Christ. And what did he and all these others discover? What they discovered is that the Bible and the New Testament, including its claims concerning Christ, are reasonable to believe. In other words, when you follow the evidence, it leads to the fact that Jesus really lived. He was crucified and he truly rose from the dead. But please, don't take my word for it. Examine the evidence for yourself, and in so doing, find truth. I hear the music, so it's about that time. The end of the show. But be of good cheer. You can find more amazing stories at TalesOfTheRevolution.com And while you're there, sign up for email updates. If you do, you'll receive access to exclusive content you won't get anywhere else. And subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or anywhere you get podcasts. Follow us on social media, Facebook.com slash TalesOfTheRevolution. On Twitter, at Jason That's V as in victory, R, E-E-K-E. That's me. I'm your fellow revolutionary, and thank you so much for listening. This episode was entitled Battlefield. So remember, in your mind, there's a battle. Don't let the enemy win. Destroy arguments and opinions that try to defy the knowledge of God, and tell somebody about Jesus as you live the revolution.